Well, hello and welcome back to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where you can find practical help for the heart and home as we ponder life from a biblical perspective, as well as a weekly digital dose of discipling to help equip us to be better effective in the opportunities that God places before us to further His kingdom. This is episode number 159 of Moments with Moni, as we begin in Ephesians chapter 3. I hope that your week has been filled with holy expectation of future things to come, as mine has. It's been just over a week since Resurrection Sunday and all the excitement of it. That's the best holiday, if you want to call it that, that believers, that Christians celebrate. It's the climax of our calendar, the holiness of our hope, all based on the rock of our salvation, Jesus, who rose from the dead. You know, the one that died for us, the one that left us love letters to read so that we can understand God's heart. So how many times have you read and reread one of your favorite novels? How many times have you read through the Bible? How many times have you read just a single book of the Bible? Maybe just a chapter? As Charles Spurgeon once said, conversion is a turning onto the right road. The next thing to do is to walk on it. So if we're not reading our Bible, if we're not reading the directions for this life, we're not walking in the ways of God. We're still walking in our own. I heard a really sad statistic recently about just the pitiful amount of believers that actually open up their Bible a few times a year. I'm not trying to pour on guilt so that you do something, but trying to encourage a relationship with the God that you say you love, that I say I love, through his word and understanding who he is and what he wants for us, what he's done for us and what he's holding in store for us as we've been learning in Ephesians. We don't have to read our Bible, but we will read it if we love him. I'm thankful that many of you are walking this journey with me. It keeps me accountable and in my Bible so that I can share truly what's in here and encourage you to dig deeper and to share what you learn with others. As we head into Ephesians, Paul repeats many of the same principles about unity here in chapter 3 as he did in 2, but he uses different words. And he also goes a little bit deeper into the mystery. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in another age was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, 
that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. As Paul spoke on unity in the last chapter, he's writing to them, continuing here, saying, I'm not making this stuff up. This is not my idea, my invention. God gave me this revelation, and I am his messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Yes, this was a mystery, and yet now it is known. However, it's not real clear to those without the Holy Spirit. Even today, when we hear people speaking in circular reasoning, the Bible or Jesus is the line in the sand that cuts right through the center of that circular reasoning. Many ears, even itching ears, as we've heard of in other places in the Bible, are not satisfied with the Bible's explanation of these things. But their or my satisfaction on a topic does not define its truthfulness. The Bible is the foundation of truth. And we need to camp here on verse 2 for just a moment, because Paul says, assuming that you have heard of some translations say stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, it's better translated in the original English there as dispensation or period of time. We need to recognize the relationship between a dispensation and a covenant if we're to understand God's plan and objective through the ages. A dispensation is an administration of time that is based on a conditional test to determine if people will be faithful to God and his conditions. A covenant is an eternal agreement made by God with humanity revealing what God will do for the people individually or collectively. God made these covenants with the human race throughout history that specifically relates to one of the seven dispensations. Each covenant reveals principles in embryonic form by which God will relate to humanity. Man can choose to reject the covenant or principle of God and will, to some extent, in every dispensation. When we violate the covenant, we suffer the consequences in the form of a judgment, bringing that dispensation to an abrupt end. Huge thanks to my Nelson Study Bible. It's a really old one, but the footnote on that is the best that I have seen anywhere to explain the difference and how they work interchangeably here on dispensations and covenants. Many of us are familiar with at least two of these dispensations, and that is law and grace. And the dividing line of those two was the finished work at the cross. Paul was given the huge responsibility of teaching the Ephesians and us today the dispensation of the grace of God. Paul was a prisoner when he wrote this. He was chained while he was on house arrest during the day and then at night chained to a a Roman soldier. So this mystery in verse 3 is a key verse in this chapter, in this entire book. And in verse 5, he says, which in other ages, so dispensations or covenants, it wasn't known to them, to the sons of men, 
but it is revealed to us today through his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And the mystery that he's talking about is that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body as the Jews in Christ. Now the Gentiles will be fellow partakers of the promise of the inheritance of eternal life and all the other things that Paul mentioned in chapter 1. There are actually seven aspects of the mystery concerning that period known as the times of the Gentiles. And those are the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Christ and his church, the mystery of the indwelling of Christ, the mystery of both Jews and Gentiles in one body, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, the mystery of the rapture. And if we understand these things, wouldn't we be eager to be a part of God's plan? Wouldn't we want to dig deeper into the book that explains all of this? Yes, and you can tell a lot about a believer by the state of their Bible. I can't remember the exact quote. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who spoke about a Bible that falls apart is a Christian who doesn't. And speaking of Charles Spurgeon, I also saw another quote that he had that went to pursue union at the expense of truth is treason to the Lord Jesus. Yes, Paul speaks about unity, but he speaks about unity in Christ, in Jesus. If we neglect the Bible, we might have a picture of a circle of love that we're all supposed to be a part of. But to be true to God's word, an arrow of truth may dissect that circle and cause some heartache here. But better here on this side of eternity than not doing our part in a loving manner and sharing the truth, than being silent and not sharing the truth. And this mystery is not only for us, but there's more to it. There are principalities and powers in heavenly places that look upon this. The angels actually desire to look into the things that are revealed to us, into this mystery. First Peter 1.12 says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Thomas Chalmers, a Scottish minister in the 1700s, wrote in the Astronomical Discourses, We are in the unfallen angels' lesson books. Mankind may mock the gospel, but angels regard it with profound interest. And all this, Paul says in verse 8, he continues, Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and accents with confidence by the faith of him. 
Because of all these things, Paul says, we have boldness and access with confidence when our faith is in Jesus Christ. Yes, the world, yes, the culture is all around us and really encourages us to do things its way. We're influenced by TV, internet. Well, we don't have many newspapers anymore, but all of that input, a lot of it goes against, directly against God's word. And yet, when we stand in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, when we understand what his word says, Okay, we may not understand it all, but when we're digging deep into it and God gives us that nugget of wisdom, we can stand in Christ and we can stand there boldly exclaiming that because of this, we have access to Christ with confidence in faith in Jesus so that we faint not at tribulations, which is for God's glory. As Paul continued to say, verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, Paul says, that's right, let's get back to the prayer after that little caveat. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. I agree in prayer with Paul for us, that we would be divinely enabled to successfully live in the Christian life to better understand the enormous love Christ has for us, and that we would be transformed more and more into God's image, that our life and character and virtues would reflect the God who loves us, that we would be fully devoted to him, and that we would dig deeper and deeper into his word until we all meet face to face. Here, there, or in the air, If you enjoy what you're hearing here on the podcast, I invite you to share it with a friend. I also invite you to go to the blog at momentswithmoni.com where you can buy me a coffee or support me through a monthly membership. Just hit the big yellow button on the blog. Thanks again for listening to Moments with Moni.